We are back to business on 103.9 LA News Radio. My name is David Levenstein, executive producer here at this wonderful local news station. If you are a business owner or professional, please contact me at my show at jvcbroadcasting.com. That's my show at jvcbroadcasting.com. I would love to hear what you have to say, and I know... All of Long Island will as well. Please contact me. Now, my guests are Neil Himmelstein. Neil Himmelstein is the host of the Main Street Code to Financial Success on this station. And, of course, Kurt Widmeyer, who is the host of Plan Now, Win Later. State planning attorney specializing in Medicaid planning. And we have insurance. Now, there is a relationship. There is a synergy between insurance and estate planning. Kurt, tell us why there is one. Well, first off, insurance, and good afternoon, David. Good afternoon. Um, insurance can be used for so many things, and one of the things that people use insurance for is to make sure their loved ones have a replacement of income right. when a first spouse dies. That's very important, right? Mm-hmm. We also want to make sure that our uh, families have the liquidity to pay state taxes, which mm-hmm. is a something, as I shared with you, been I've been focused on for about 30 years. There's... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's some changes in the law coming, and most of my clients, I'm not sure about Neil or David, if you've heard, are, are not that comfortable with the position of the federal and state government as it relates to estate taxes. Right. So insurance is one of the ways, pennies on the dollar. I mean, I'm a big proponent of insurance, you know, creating trust to own insurance and to, you know, really help your family keep their assets in-house as opposed to giving half or 70%, really up to 70% right. to the government when you die. Because if your insurance, David, is owned by a trust, we call it an islet. Right. We know, if done properly, that that insurance, dollar for dollar, will go to your heirs and not get whacked up by the government. And it's interesting. I always look at it as insurance as wealth replacement, because it may be monies that we need during the course of our lives to live a more comfortable life in our retirement. And nobody wants to go through their principal, but without proper planning, and we discuss this on your show, Kurt, um, it happens. But wealth replacement, Neil, is... Am I looking at insurance the right way when I say wealth replacement? Well, that's, that's one of the ways. And Kurt yeah. hit, hit on something very big about liquidity with estate planning. Uh, we have many clients that are very successful, let's say real estate investors. Okay. And they have, let's say, a make big commercial building and they're taking income from it. But that's part of their estate as well as their business. But they may not have a lot of money, but yet the government comes in and values their estate. And they have to pay tax. Yeah, what happens? How long do they have to pay that tax? So so let's say it's a five million dollars, whatever the number is, right? I own a business. I own real estate that the business is on. I own a house. I got an apartment in Florida. And I have a million dollars in cash. So I say, ah, I'm not worth that much money. But you look at it on paper, you're worth quite a bit of money. How long do you have to... And so you pay that tax. So there's a nine-month period of time in which to file your federal and state uh, estate tax returns, and you right. must you can go under extension, which most of my clients do. Right. But you must make the payment in good faith. Um, that may eliminate a penalty after the nine months, but will not stop the accruing of interest. So if your wealth is in wrapped up in real estate and a business, let's say, right? You have to liquidate the business, sell the real estate, and that could take a lot longer than nine months, Neil? Not only could it take longer than nine months, but when's the worst time to sell, David? When you need to sell. When you have to. Right. And so the I value- that, I got that right. Right. And the value of that <laughs> business or that you may want your son or daughter, you know, th- with spouses, you can transfer a lot of spousal in between, but you may want that next generation to have that business or to have that 
building. So then what do you put in the trust? Do you put the business in the building in the trust or do you put the life insurance policy in the trust? Could do both. It depends on the circumstances. Right. Okay. You know, so I was just, as you were folks were talking, I was thinking about in the early 90s, you know, when people started doing islets, you know, on a regular basis. That's the irrevocable life insurance trust because back then the federal limit that you could leave your children tax-free was 600000 It's $12,060,000. What year is that? Early 90s. Since okay. 85 on, New York State was 108700 right. right. It's 6.1 now, New York. That's Hold on. So, anything, so back in the 90s, anything over 600000 was taxable. And then it went to six fifty, six seventy five, up to a million. Here's the problem, though. Most people, and Neil knows this, we've talked about it, don't realize that when you die, the government doesn't discriminate against your assets. They will look at everything, including your life insurance. Now, to Neil's point before, you may defer the tax because your spouse will inherit tax-free. Right. But when the second spouse passes away, all bets are off. And if you have just a term, I have a client right now at $8 million term insurance. Their tax bill is over a million dollars right now, according to their accountant. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons why Neil and I, are, you know, we believe in bringing a team together, the team approach. Wait, so life insurance is taxable? 100%, unless your spouse it's, it's is a the state, It's a state taxable, but not federally income taxable. Gotcha, okay. So there's different taxes. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So all of us, you, you may think, or you may have been told, or you, your predisposition is, I don't need a trust. It, life insurance is tax-free. No, it's federally tax-free, not a state tax-free. And what is the difference in federal tax-free and state tax-free as far as the percentage of those number goes? Well, as far as the, if you combine New York and federal estate tax for some, you could be closing in on 60, 68%. Wow. But what Neil was also take, there's also income tax rules. Right. It gets very complicated. What families can't understand, or I'm dealing with a young family, it was a sudden demise, a lot of insurance, there was a building and a business, it's over the 12 million. But when they found out that New York State has this New York State cliff, as we've discussed, that mm -hmm. over the 6.1 million, where you get taxed for every dollar you're over the limit, it's not pro rata, and the clients have to pay two or three million, the kids are just, they're bewildered. They, they don't even believe it. But I've been involved in tax audits, and the families are... Uh, are devastated because to Neil's point, if you sell the property, hey, look, we're we're I don't know if we're in a recession or not, folks. Right. All I know is I see what I read on you know the papers and news. But sure. my clients right now are struggling to sell commercial buildings. Yeah. So I have a couple of estates to Neil's point where we can we have to sell to raise the liquidity to pay the tax. And if you can't, you can't, but you're going to pay that interest, and that doesn't stop. And if you don't have a justifiable good cause to the IRS. They're going to impose penalties, so it's really and they're going to impose penalties. It's this is what they do. Oh, they absolutely. usually do. Yeah. Even they, they don't take so. You know, if you say, "Hey, I have an excuse. My dad died." That's not an excuse. Right. So insurance and those trusts that we do are phenomenal because you can always use that liquid insurance to pay the government, get them off your back, and then take a deep breath and assess what your family has worked for their whole lives. Maybe it's a building. Maybe it's a a commercial. Um, you know. A, a, you know, building or maybe it's just uh, rental homes, right? Right. Uh, so, Neil, when someone's going to buy insurance for the purposes of what we're discussing, uh, protecting your assets and mm -hmm. trying to reduce your uh, responsibility to the estate tax, right? Um, are there certain policies that are better than others? Yeah. Well, he had mentioned term insurance. Right. You know, the, the problem with term insurance and estate planning is it has no cash value. You say, well, I don't need cash value. I just want to protect the benefit. But the problem is you could be spending... You know, for an $8 million policy, you could be spending twenty, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 a year, right. but at the end of your term, you have zero right. and no insurance. 
But with a cash value policy, at least you have that policy there with some cash in it. It's Mm -hmm. very important. That cash has a cash value from what you put in it and some growth, hopefully, if it's structured right. So... Uh, what I'm is finding var- a lot is it of variable though, growth. No, or no, is it no, no. Let's just let's just stop for a second. Yeah. What I'm finding with a lot of people who have done planning over the years, sure, is they have some policies in a trust, some policies outside of a trust, or an attorney. They go to a great estate attorney and they set up a irrevocable life insurance trust, and they never put their policy in the trust. And these are problems when people don't review on a regular basis all their stuff. With guys like Kurt and myself. Do you see that, Kurt, when someone comes to your office after having never met them before and they bring in their, what they feel is an organized estate plan? What are the common mistakes that you see? So the funding of the trust or the lack thereof, most Mm. people don't even know what I'm discussing when I meet them after they've met with another firm. There are a bunch of firms on Long Island. There's about seven or eight of them that have a a federal, it's a state program. It's a it's a computer program and they it's cookie cutter. Right. And the client walks out with a big folder or mm. binder. Right. It's usually maroon. Okay. <laughs> okay. And I see them. I've seen it over <laughs> I don't know, hundreds of times. Why? Is that a legal color? Well, it's just the same company does it across the country. Gotcha. And these attorneys, but when you ask the client, have you ever looked in the binder, invariably they'll say, I never looked at when I left the the the, the um, attorney's office. Because it's so big and thick. Right? And they just think it's all done. So the biggest mistake is people don't even know what they have. And they are assuming that their trust was funded. Now, that is the number one thing that I see that's incomplete because people see a trust and on the last page, Schedule A, okay, David, right. it says Schedule A and it'll say, well, my stuff, my house. Right. But it does, does that mean you went to the clerk's office and recorded the deed or did you go with your insurance professional to do mm. a transfer of ownership? I would say that's the number one problem, the mm. lack of awareness of whether it's funded or not because a trust may look great on that fancy paper, David and Neil, but if it's not funded, it's, it's worthless. And tell us what happens when that person dies if they're not if their state is in that particular uh, state. So two things, great for lawyers, it's called probate. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's a practice that's uh, quite frankly is more lucrative than than not. And we try to explain to our clients not to go through. We don't want probate. We want to avoid probate for our own families right. and for our clients. So you'd have to go through probate, number one. But that's not the end of the world. New York's probate's not that bad, okay? It's expensive and it's time-consuming. But the problem with non-funded insurance trusts, and Neil will tell you this, is that now you've taken a non-taxable asset and brought it back into your taxable estate. Mm -hmm. And if you're over the cliff or over the federal limit, uh, yes, it's a it's a pretty healthy federal limit now. We'll see in two years, right? Right. Then now you've now have a double whammy. Not only are you paying a lawyer to go to probate, and you got to deal with all your siblings, and you may have a crazy sibling. Okay, that may say, hey, wait a minute, I don't agree with this, I want to challenge it, called probate, and then you have to pay tax. So those are the two problems when it's not funded, particularly with insurance and eyelets. And right. the, the other problem I find with insurance uh, in general, or people in general, is they don't review their insurance policies. And most attorneys go, okay, this should be in a trust, this should be here, with all due respect, not Kurt, but... They don't really look at the insides of that insurance. Are they funding the insurance properly? Are they putting enough money in it? What is a, when you say properly, what, did that, what does that mean? So many policies that were taken out a long time ago were dependent on 
uh, a certain interest rate, mm-hmm. possibly. And except for the short term, we've had very, very depressed rates for the last 20 years. Okay. That's number one. Uh, secondly, they may have missed a payment along the way. Right. And while that may work in some policies, but it could get rid of the guarantees that they bought mm-hmm. if they missed a payment. So there's a lot of little things that happen. Plus, you have many insurance companies that, quite frankly, merge, went out of business, have a reinsurance company, and may have changed their crediting rates. But if you don't look at that policy, it's a living, breathing document, just like a trust. If you don't look at it on a regular basis, things happen, and they can happen negatively. So I would think, let me ask you guys a question. So... You know, obviously, the younger you are, the more cost-effective it is to buy insurance, right? Absolutely. But what happens is, is over the course of your uh, lifetime, your professional lifetime, your 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 life changes. You know, when you first buy the insurance, you were only you only qualified for so much insurance because of your income, because of your holdings, whatever your value is, right? And as you got older, you can buy more and more insurance to cover the difference between what you were when you were thirty to what you are when you're fifty-five. But now insurance is more expensive as you get older. It has, right. to be, it has to be funded differently. I mean, the premiums become more expensive. Maybe you have uh, issues, health issues when you get older. Right. Is all this stuff taken into consideration when, with how much insurance you're buying and how it should be protected in a trust? Well, I certainly, the first thing I say to the clients is before you do anything with me, I'll start drafting documents is don't make any transfers, don't make any decisions until you've sat down with your other team of professionals. I insist upon it, actually, right? because I want them to look at the nuances of their policy. There's a lot of nuggets in there that I wouldn't know, but first blush. Mm. So, And then we also say, if we're going to do this, does it still make sense now? For Mm. example- I have a lot of clients that are my, let's say, 55 to 65 years old that are not as interested in life insurance for whatever reason. Maybe they don't have a taxable estate, they're gainfully employed, their spouse is gainfully, and the kids are out of the nest, they're all doing well, right. But and they say, I don't need insurance anymore. But I'll say, well, why don't you, before you cancel insurance, speak to your professional, number one, and you might have different insurance needs. You may need long-term care insurance. You may need disability insurance. So I try to tell clients before they need your cancel or transfer, why don't you sit down with your professional? Because you may not need a $5 million term policy in 65 if everybody, if you don't need uh, income replacement. Sure. But you might need long-term care insurance. And Is that, pre- that placing a trust as well? Uh, we no. Don't, no. This is a separate policy that we love, my office, and I've always loved. It's not for everyone, but okay. it it allows you to not be too concerned about the dynamics of like community Medicaid right now, right. where there are no aids on Long Island. Okay, if you get sick and need aid and companions, we're having a struggle out east. You can't get them. If you get a good long term care policy, right, mm-hmm. Neil, and you sit down and you buy one, you're going to get proper home care at your home, right? And there's not going to be that delay. That company will will get you the aid that you need. So sometimes life insurance per se, from my client's perspective, may be not as important as, let's say, long-term care insurance. Right. I mean, the odds are people are going to need long... I mean, you're definitely going to die. That's a fact. But what percentage, Neil, you once told me? 70% of everyone 70% past the age of 65 will need some sort of care either in their home or in a nursing home or assisted living. Uh... And the definition is two out of six activities of daily living. Right. If you can't perform, you are now eligible. And, you know, 
it, it's, it's increased dramatically over the years as medical science has gotten better. Sure. They found a way to keep us alive much longer, but our bodies are still machines and they still break down, whether it's our mind. You know, 50% of all long-term care claims are due to cognitive issues. Do you see people, um, do you see a lack of long-term care policies as people come into your office? More now than more than ever. Uh, so in the nineties. So what happened? Why then are people turned off to long term care policies? Well, some people remember in the nineties what happened. This is when Snoopy and MetLife were in it. Uh, Unum. There were a lot of companies right. that were giving away these policies dirt, dirt cheap, and sure. it just didn't pass the smell test to me. But I'm not an insurance expert. But we knew there was something going on, and then MetLife got out of the pop business, right? right. Unum, Unum. Through, stop paying on the policies. Of course, New York State had to back it up. Right. So there is some residual effect of some skepticism. The other thing is, I, when Neil said 70%, I would, from my perspective as an elder attorney, I would say 90% because most people come to me and they're struggling with their ADLs, their activities right. of daily living. Right. So I see it as so focused and they're afraid that the premium is too much. When I explained to them though, David, yeah. that- one month right now in a nursing home is about 20000 per person per month. It puts it in perspective. So do you right. find that people say they, they now now they want long-term care, but it's now it's really too expensive because I, they're, they need it and they're older. That's what I that's the feedback I get. But right. I tell people before you just say, no, 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 I'm out. You really should sit down and maybe right. you can change the, maybe there's something with your life insurance or the cash value where somebody like Neil, a professional can get creative, right? Neil, right. where you say, hey, wait a minute, we're going to reduce your you know, payments maybe to life insurance to offset this. Right. And the other thing you have to ask David with insurance is, you know, every client of mine that yeah. has the insurance does not regret getting it. Right. But I have tons of people that regret not getting it, if that makes any sense. That makes a lot of sense. It does. Now, Neil, what are people's fear? Is it just the cost? So, is so, it basically the cost? So what's happened is, first off, Kurt illustrated a big issue in the long-term care industry. Yeah. And the long-term care industry has changed quite a bit. There's only one or two standalone carriers you can buy now who have a standalone coverage. A lot of the, the long-term care sales now are hybrid they're combined with life insurance policies. Mm -hmm. Now, what's interesting is- So you pe may people can buy a life insurance policy that has a long-term care rider in it? Correct. So what happens is, the, the way these long-term care riders is, they'll give you a prepayment of the death benefit. Mm. And it's very interesting. So you may never need long-term care. Like people think, well, I don't need it. Mm. But you're sitting with a life insurance policy with a lot of cash in it or something that they've had for years sure. that they were going to use for something else. And a lot of times we'll take those and, and blend them into a long-term care plan mm. so that they have the long-term care. Right. And the need for life insurance may be not as great or it could be mostly a, a long-term care play. Uh where I need that long-term care protection. You know, as we get older, and I think about all the mistakes that my parents made with not having long-term care, not having life insurance, not having an estate, not having a plan, and the burden, the financial burden, and the emotional burden that they put on their families, not purposefully, but because of lack of planning, because of lack of education, because of not knowing. And like Kurt has said, and you had said, you need to speak to somebody. You have to speak to somebody. You need to be educated, because if you're not educated what you're doing, is um, the people that you love the most, the people that you um, care for the most now, they may not be able to afford to care for you in the way that you want, that you would like to have been. 
you know, uh, to live at your golden years. Now your golden years don't look so golden anymore. There's no reflection in the gold at that point. Any last words? You've got about 50 seconds left. I, I, you've made a really good point there. You know, it's about having flexibility and having options. As we get right. older, we want options. We don't want to be told where we have to go, how we have to go. When you do estate planning, you know, whether it's with an attorney or an insurance professional, you're giving yourselves options and a roadmap, and it eliminates a ton of stress. Mm. And stress, stress can be a killer. It is. Neil? I recommend that you sit with both your estate attorney and your insurance professional together, together at the same time, so that your plan is working. For Actually, you. that makes the most sense to me because now you're not going from one person to another to another, back and forth. You're Absolutely. hearing, you're hearing both people talk to you who care about you, whose interests are your interests. Right. At the same time, would you agree with that? The team approach makes the most sense. Does. And that's what we're doing right now Absolutely. on Back to Business. My name is David Levinson. I've been talking to Kurt Widmeyer and I've been talking to Neil Himmelstein. This is Back to Business. We'll see you soon. Down the street, the